0: Already late! Late for what? I'm going on an adventure! Alright. What's the big brewer? (laughs) Ha ha ha! You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You can't handle the truth.
1: Is for the thinking Welcome to the beautiful campus of LCMSU, everyone. Who are you? I am the Casey. Chancellor. Yeah, baby! Yeah. Marcus <laughs> Zill. You, Hi. Right. For a second week in a row with Pastor Marty Marks, Pastor at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Student Center, in DeKalb, Illinois, serving students at
0: Northern Illinois University. Good to in, be back with you, Reverend Zill.
1: That no, that is. I
0: missed you. It's been a whole week since we talked. I missed you, my friend.
1: But uh, Northern Illinois University is home of the. Let me wait. wait let me guess. It's a dog.
0: It, it is. It's the Huskies. Right? There you go. All right. You
1: got it, man. We had you on last week. You're talking about getting ready to take, after Christmas, uh, taking a, a, a sabbatic. But you mentioned, and it broke my heart, that you are going to miss our upcoming Witness Conference, which happens to be on evangelism and our daily vocations. And I was going to ask my you to heart do a... Is breaking just a little over this. I was uh, going to ask you to do... A sectional on John four and the woman at the well, which you view as kind of an evangelism guide. So, since you're not going to be there, this I ask is you my come in. No? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so let's—I know we got a lot to cover here in John four. Um, so let's dive right in. Why don't you uh, start walking us uh, through this and set this up a little bit?
0: Sounds good. Well, and I've, I've always referred to John four as an evangelism training guide uh, because I think it helps—it helps us to see what is evangelism. Um yeah, Reverend Zill, you're you're a language expert. You know that, you know, um evangelism comes kinda of from that same uh, root word as gospel, oangelion. Um and uh so the idea of, of spreading the good news has always been kinda of in our Christian DNA. We know that's our job. Tell people about the love of Jesus. Um, where we sometimes get confused is, what's the best way to do it? Um, no offense to the folks in the 80s. I know they were trying their very best, but, but I got it in my head in the 80s that <laughs> if I wanted to be an evangelist, I needed to go knock on doors, and I had to memorize a script, and when someone answered the door, I said, do you know about Jesus Christ? And I had to have some kind of crazy script to convince them that Jesus loved them, and then they would come to our church. And uh, well, that probably has touched lives because the Holy Spirit you know, does, does work through all sorts of means, um, reading through John 4 shows a different model hmm. of how Jesus brought people into a closer walk with him. So we'll, if, we, if we walk through John 4 relatively quick, and I know we're on a time schedule, I'll, you know, I think you'll see that there's a slightly different model than those 1980s knocking on the doors with a script. Uh, so if, if you're cool, I'll dive yeah, right in You still
1: here. like 80s music, though, right? I mean, we don't have to denigrate I, to 80s music.
0: I am all about some good old '80s music. Yep, freedom rock, man. All right, so So let's let's rock and roll here. Yeah, I'm going to just wind you up and let you go. I'm going to wind you up and let you go. John four. I'm an NIV guy, and uh, so um, you're an NIV pastor in
1: an ESV world.
0: You got it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so John chapter four, starting with verse one. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, this was it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. Um, so what starts it all off is the the Pharisees, leaders of the church, as he's in Judea, he's in the vicinity of Jerusalem. You know, he's not actually in, in the capital city there that's, you know, the, the heart of Judaism. But he's he's kind of in the, where the leaders are still out walking around, seeing him. And they're hearing that he's baptizing more people than John, of course, John, the guy who wrote the book here, is not the John he's referring to. We're referring to John the Baptist.
1: Sure. Um, no, what, what? All right. Okay, why, yeah, uh, why Why wasn't Jesus, I mean, does it ever ponder why, why does, does Jesus not do the baptisms himself? Why well, don't we?
0: Funny you would ask that. It, I, I, and I think this is hugely important to understanding both evangelism and and how Jesus works back then and still today. Um, John tells us, in John the Gospel writer here that Jesus didn't do the baptisms. He utilized his followers, those who were his disciples, to reach out to others to bring others into the fold. Um, and so he set that model when he walked on the earth, and that model still in place today. How does he bring folks into an, uh, a knowledge of him? Yes, it's his word and the Holy Spirit. I don't, you know, in any way deny that that teaching. But none of us really come into contact with the Word and the Holy Spirit unless somebody delivers that message. And so he uses people who follow Him to be the delivery system to, to bring that message to others. He did it when He was walking on the earth, and he continues to do it 2,000 years later. Um, so, well, and so that's, that's a great pattern because
1: from. if you don't have that, I mean everything that God that, that God does uh, that Jesus did, he did for us. and so yep. the, and the last thing that we need and the disciples needed, because they ended up kind of bickering about who was the greatest and this, that, and the other thing. And then people would be like, oh, I follow Peter, I follow Cephas, I follow whatever. You know, just imagine if it's like, well, okay, you were baptized by Pastor Marty Marks, but I was baptized by Jesus. <laughs> exactly. Jesus yep. is already you know, in that, the baptism. I, I Jesus right. is in every baptism. But the point is is Bingo. that he sends he sends out uh, his ambassadors to do that work for him. Kind of like I always think about uh, – the. And I know I said I'd be quiet and just wind you up and let you go, but Naaman in the book of Kings, when the prophet and Elijah, and Elijah's there, and he doesn't even go out to meet, um, yep. to meet the guy, he just sends him with the word. Well, that's what Jesus does here, is he sends right. out others. but
0: Gehazi didn't like that, didn't think it was good enough, and that got him in all sorts of trouble, but yeah. Anyway, so that's right, interesting, so. it's
1: always a question that comes up about baptism, but hey, back to the text.
0: Yeah. So yeah, so so as the text continues, we're going to see how that plays out in some you know people you wouldn't normally expect to be evangelists. Um, so he had to go through the region of Samaria. Um, so he came to town, Samaria, called Sychar. Quick, quick, you know thought on on samaritans um now i'm sure many of our listeners are good biblical scholars they they wouldn't have fallen for this we may have a lot of average. samaritans
1: listening today because it is a worldwide well, radio it, program broadcast
0: you know i, I heard there's about 14 <laughs> left uh, you know, they, they've actually done demographic studies i think there's 14 actual samaritans left in the world but if they're all listening <laughs> shout out to you folks um so anyway so samaritans in in those days um, you know, we we today think, oh, they must be good because there's the Good Samaritan parable, and, and everyone kind of sure. just knows that phrase. But but the reason Jesus even told that parable is Samaritans in almost every Jewish story is always the bad guy. I mean, that, this is an Al Qaeda type like guy in their mind. You know, I'm not saying Samaritans were actually terrorists, but but that's how they saw them in in the Jewish days. Um, some of it had to do with the ethnicity. Um, very quick Bible history you know that uh, the the northern kingdom was disbanded you know disbanded into the uh, Syrian Empire uh, the southern kingdom is carried off into captivity in Babylon but the people who were carried off into captivity in Babylon were the the nobility the tradesmen the people who had useful skills that Babylon wanted as slaves they left behind a lot of the, the commoners well in the disarray after the the captivity, the folks who were left behind intermarried with folks of, of other ethnicities. Um, they they still worshipped Yahweh, but they went about it in some other ways and maybe had some, some uh, heretical practices uh, kind of mixed in there. Well, the people of Israel come back 100 years later, and it takes them a good long time to get things rebuilt again. You can read that in Ezra and Nehemiah. Um, but as they get the, it rebuilt, now you've got, you know, a couple hundred years uh Five, six generations of folks who have Jewish roots but are intermarried, have lost all the practices, and, uh, you know, and, and that's the Samaritans. Now we're several hundred years after that, and the Jews are in power, and the Jews say, you know, yeah, you guys are, are like us, but you are not like us. Um, and yet we still see that in our world. You want, you want to get a Democrat really mad, you only have to say one word. Republican. When I get a Republican really mad? You say the word Democrat. You know. And at the end of the day, are we all Americans who who love what this country stands for? And yet we can get the maddest at the people closest to us. And that's really what was happening with the Samaritans mm. and the Jews. There there was a common root, and there were some some significant theological differences. At the same time, they they were they were closely knit in their their love of God. Or, or but yet they had. Fights. There were people killing each other. There were some terrorist acts that happened. So Jesus has to go through Samaria. Um, So anyone hearing this story is like, "All right, he's going into where the bad guys are. There, you know, now you just kind of survive." A good Jewish rabbi wouldn't want to be anywhere near or uh, you know get unclean by touching someone there. So that makes some sense of what comes next. All right. So as he's traveling there, they go to the town of Sychar. Um, uh, They find a plot of ground where Jacob one of the patriarchs, you remember Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, father mm-hmm. of the tribes of Israel, um, had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A uh, little ancient world time-telling here. Um, six hours is about noon. They started the clock at 6 a.m. when the sun came up, little closer to the equator there. So, you know, days were approximately, you know, 12 hours of daylight, 12 hours at night. And not exactly, but but that's kind of how they thought of it. So, you know, so they start the clock at 6 a.m. So the sixth hour is noon. Um, it's hot. It's, uh, you know, Jesus is kind of plunked down by the well. It's outside the village. And, uh, you know, I don't picture the well-being like you, you see in the pictures with the, the little stones and there's a little house thing on top and a crank where you can make the bucket come up. Yeah. Um, there were probably some rocks around it because you didn't want animals to fall in the Like a natural
1: spring well. kind of a get-up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but there was no mechanism for getting water out of this hole that Jacob had that sure. dug. So, so Jesus plunks down, and, and let's see what happens next. The, the disciples head in to, to get food, but uh, so Jesus is sitting by himself. When a Samaritan woman comes there to draw water, Jesus says, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. Should set some alarm bells off. Um, why is this woman coming out at noon? If you know anything about desert life, which I... I don't really, but uh, um, I do. <laughs> if it were, if it were, if I if live with Yeah, you, you know about it. Uh, how often do you go out and do your most strenuous labor at noon, my friend? In Arizona,
1: uh, thats usually when I'm not doing strenuous. I mean, I mean, that's yeah. when you're inside with the air conditioning, like they would have you're been.
0: Your Sabbathing, got it? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so something's up with this woman coming out at noon um, to to get water, and, and and we'll learn a little more about her. But but usually when someone's doing something difficult. On purpose, there's a reason behind it, and she's probably avoiding people. Most most folks would probably go get their water, you know, just before sunup, you know, five a.m., maybe in the evening, but but not at the heat of the day. this is intentionally to, to not run into people. So here comes this woman. Jesus hmm. says in a polite way, "Will you give me some water?" Um, he doesn't look down on her. He doesn't you know think anything of her. But but he asks, "Will you give me water?" Because he has no mechanism for getting water out of the well. Samaritan woman says to him. You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And John goes out of his way, in, in the gospel, there to tell us: for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And, you know, they, they were these half-breeds. You know, that they, they were looked down on and hated. Both sides hated each other, but the Jews were in the power position. So,
1: sure. Um, so she's trying to avoid he, people, and here he is yeah. asking her for an act of kindness.
0: And and having a polite interaction, he doesn't seem to be. You know, he, he could have said, "You." scum of the earth woman you know get get me water you know i'm I'm a jewish rabbi you know and and we'll we'll learn a little more here but but as far as like the totem pole of social you know power she's about as low down as you're going to get you know in in that environment i hate to say it but women were thought of as less than men um thankfully we we see them as equal creations today we have a much better understanding of that although there's still issues out there and jesus
1: certainly uh, has the perfect understanding of this
0: he does so um so, so just so you woman, know we got about 10 the,
1: minutes left here marty so all gotta, right I'll, I'll,
0: I'll go quick so the samaritan up. woman samaritan woman um you know uh is a is a samaritan that puts her down the totem pole. She's a woman, puts her down the totem pole. Uh, She's avoiding people, so maybe she's even like less than the average Samaritan woman. Jesus treats her as an equal and begins talking with her. Um, So so Jesus answers her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it, as did his sons and flocks and um, and herds uh so so the woman says you know all right rabbi i don't quite understand why you're talking to me usually you guys look down on us but you know who how are you going to give me living water you can't even get the water out of the well are you saying you're better than jacob jacob was able to get water out for us and that's where our ancestry goes and you know all those promises to abraham us samaritans we remember those promises and they're just as much for us as they are for you jews um and and Jesus acknowledges that, you know, yep, you've got that root. So here's how Jesus answers. Jesus says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Is this baptism? Yeah, Maybe, Um, but but Jesus often uses, you know, the water symbolism as just the the faith life and the connection to God. So, you know, we whether well, it's baptism or not, I'm not sure, but boy, we had a baptism reference just earlier in the passage here. Um so, all right, so the woman says to him, Sir, give me the water, that water, so I won't have to get thirsty, won't have to cut air, keep drawing water.
1: Um, well, he's the Jesus content the of baptism and he's the content of what we thirst for even when we don't know it.
0: Yeah. So yeah, that Jesus was Jesus is the essence He, is, is the love he is the of the living water of all things good. Right. And and our salvation. All right, so so the woman now says, give, give me this water. Uh, Jesus says, ah, interesting. Before I do that, how about you call your husband and bring him out here, and, and we'll, we'll do this together. Ooh. Now, Jesus knows all. <laughs> um, yeah, and the woman says, I have no husband. Jesus says, sir, you are right when you say you have no husband. Uh, the fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you are now with is not your husband. Um, what you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. And, and I'm going to stop there. There's a little more she says, but uh, I see that you are a prophet. Uh this is an important i think thing when we talk about evangelism jesus broke the ice by talking about the equivalent to the weather if you're ever in an elevator and you have to make up an awkward conversation with a person you don't know you talk about the weather talking about water at a well was the same thing but it went from from a shallow conversation of water and how to get water out of a well to a spiritual conversation but he didn't shy away from the law either you know mm-hmm. he didn't say you know hey woman you know you everything's good with you and god um i've done some some study on this very likely this woman's been divorced four times. The man she's with now isn't her husband. You know, I don't know that she was quite the floozy. Very likely she had been just kind of let go by a husband or two in there. But she also knew that she made some choices that were sinful, that weren't God pleasing, and she had damaged and destroyed the relationship she had been in. That's probably why she was shunned. She was the town. She might floozy, be avoiding you know the well she,
1: until noon for the same reason it, too. She
0: didn't want to be around the other women. You got it. That's that's you know. So so anyway, so so what does Jesus kinda of point out? I'm aware that you have some failings, you know, and, and that's important to recognize if you want this living water. You, you can't just say, I want the living water, but I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing. And the woman says, I, hear, I, I recognize you're a prophet. What's a prophet? A prophet's a spokesperson for God. She recognizes this Jewish rabbi is talking from God to her all right, so so then, but but she's got some chutzpah. She says, "Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Well, no Samaritan was ever going to be allowed in the temple. um, she's like, so you know, you guys have basically said, we're cut off from God because we can't come worship the one place where God is, you know but but you know, Jacob used to worship on this mountain. Can't we know God the same way our ancestors did? Here's what Jesus says. Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews.'" Salvation is from the Jews because it's in the person of Jesus here, the mm-hmm. editorial comment. Sure. Uh, Carried on. Yet a time is coming, and it has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. So what, what does he open the door for? You don't have to worship in the temple. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, there's a commandment in there, um, you will have a connection with him. So the woman says, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. All right. The Jews have been waiting for the Messiah. The Samaritans have been waiting for the Messiah. We're in John 4. We're at the beginning of John's gospel here. What comes next from Jesus is humongous. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. First person he reveals himself as the Messiah to is somebody on the social totem pole at the very bottom of the the rank. You know, a, a Samaritan woman who was exiled from her own community and didn't want to be hung out with. And Jesus said, you know what? No one's too far gone. No one's, you know, too distant from God that I won't have a loving relationship with you. And I'm the Christ, the guy you've been waiting for. Hmm. Um, So so humongous reveal there, you know, and, you know, there were no, you know, Jewish high priests who got that first, you know, he's going to go to the important guys first. He wanted, he wanted this woman to know there was hope for her. Jesus' disciples come back, and they, they've gone to the, the village to buy food. And I'm going to kind of paraphrase as we go here. Um, they're surprised to see that he's talking to a woman, um, but but they don't ask him. They're like, you know, well. And meanwhile, the woman goes back into the village, takes some guts on her part. Remember, she was avoiding people, but when uh, yeah. she gets there... She starts to tell people, hey, you've got to come out and see what's going on. You know, there's a guy out there that you know, told me everything I ever did. You know, I wonder if he's the Christ. She doesn't have all the answers. You know, she's not knocking on doors saying, know, well, I've got my script here, and if you have any questions about Jesus, I will tell you all the doctrines you need to know, you know, about Jesus. And if you, you know, ask a question I don't know, you can slam the door on me. You know, she basically said, there's something going on out here, guys. You've got to check it out for yourself. Meanwhile, Jesus gives a little speech to his disciples about the harvest, uh, about the sower and the reaper, you know, rejoicing together. This isn't farming advice. This is symbolic talk about evangelism, about reaching out and bringing people into God's kingdom. So it's a metaphor. Uh, and I kind of, you know, so, so as he's giving them this speech, you know, they, are they the ones who, who were the sowers? In some ways, in some ways, they're also the reapers, though. You know, these the Samaritan villagers are going to come out to, to check out Jesus because of the woman's testimony. Not every one of them is going to get their instantaneous one-on-one with Jesus to check him out for himself. They're going to start talking to his disciples. They're going to say, you know, hey, why are you guys following him out? First of all, you're all Jews. Why are you even talking to us? I thought, yeah. we hate you guys. You guys hate us. It's like, well, we follow Jesus because he is the way, and there, there's something about him that's just, Caused us to, have to follow him. We know he's he's the one who connects us to God. To which you know Samaritans now having those conversations they say, well, let's check this out for ourselves. So what what gets really great is is towards the end here. So I'm kind of jumping to verse uh, 39 here. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Hmm. She said, whatever uh, he told me, everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. Hmm. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. We now have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. So what was the woman's evangelism plan? Not that she knew all the answers, but she said, you know, this man's made a difference in my life. In just those few minutes, she said, come check it out for yourself. And and then she did something really important in our evangelism process, too. Hmm. And, you know, lay people may struggle a little, but, you know, us pastors are going to struggle a lot more with this um, Our job isn't to always be the one-all defining relationship for a person to know God. You know, folks mean it as a compliment when they say, hey, Pastor, you know, your sermons are really good, or, you know, no one else could ever really connect me to God the way you do. I say, please don't ever say that. That's like the worst thing you can say to me. But I thought it was a compliment. No. You know, my goal is for, as, as a preacher of God's Word, is to connect people with that saving relationship with Jesus that's independent of me. I don't need to be in the way, and I need to get out of the way. That's what this woman does. She, she doesn't become the high priestess of all things Jesus in the Samaritan village. Samaritans come out, and they say, well, we came because the woman invited me, but now we see for ourselves he really is the Savior of the world. And we have believers in a Samaritan village who— who are saved at that point you know this is early on in the gospel of john you know now do they know about his death and resurrection no No. but they're putting their faith in jesus and i guarantee you when that message gets back and they say we already trusted this guy that he was the the person who was going to save us and they hear oh he died on the cross oh he died so our sins would be washed away and he came back to life that the holy spirit just exploded in their hearts with with an understanding and a knowledge of that that's our calling today, too, is to follow in the footsteps of this woman. We don't have to know all the answers. We don't shy away from sin. Jesus doesn't do that. But we also accept anybody. No one's too far gone for the love of Jesus, no matter what you've done, no matter what culture says to you that, you know, you're you're not acceptable in God's eyes. Jesus says, I've got a place for you. And the message is that we receive that for ourselves, and then we go and share with others and say, you know, I don't know all the answers. You know, I don't know all the teachings of the Bible or all the doctrines. But come along on the journey with me. Come check it out for yourself. And as they do, and they get the Holy Spirit growing more and more in their hearts, and they're in the Word themselves, then you get out of the way and say, continue that journey. Now, as a pastor, I know I'm going to be the one who regularly preaches that and and helps people in that journey. But, you know, I can go on a sabbatical for three months, and the love of Jesus is in their hearts because they don't need me. Jesus is there, and and that's my job, and that's what evangelism is all about.
1: Well, that's pretty awesome, man. And, you know, uh, here she goes from being... Completely reluctant, sneaking to the well, <laughs> yeah. not thinking she can even talk to Jesus, to then being like, Holy smokes, I got to go tell every. Now she's the opposite of reluctant. And so yeah. it seems to me that that's a good message for all of us. You know, there's a lot of women at the well and a lot of college students and a lot of hurting people on our college campuses that uh, even though we might be reluctant or students uh, you might think well hey you know who am I to go up to them and you know everybody thinks it's so hard to talk to people about things like this on campus but you know, if you're being fed yourself and receiving the good news of Christ and his gifts of forgiveness, it's a wonderful example we have here of someone just you know, saying, wow, this is so great. I have to go just tell people. You got to hear this for yeah, yourself. And, and come come
0: along me. on the journey with me. And, you know, let me if you don't mind real fast. Yeah, close this out. Remember what I said at the very beginning. How does Jesus grow his church and bring people into closer relationship through others? This woman that everyone else would have written off and said, you know, she serves no useful function in the world at all. I mean, she's, she, she's a Samaritan. She's a woman. She's an exiled Samaritan woman in her own village. There's nothing useful that can come from her. Jesus said, not only do I find value in you— I want you to be valuable to others, and she becomes the person that brings other people into a saving relationship. You know, no matter what our, our lack of skills, our failings, or things that we do, Jesus said, I've got a role that you can play. You're important, and I'm going to use you the way I always have. Um, I'm going to use my followers to reach out and bring in other folks, and there's nothing more important in this world. Uh, you know, that, that is the most critical calling we have as human beings in this world, is to bring people into a relationship with Jesus.
1: Pastor Mark's penance done. Somehow you crammed a sectional into a radio program. Good for you. <laughs> and it was fantastic. On behalf of everybody in LCMSU Nation, we look forward to hearing back on the flip side when you get back from your sabbatical. We'll have you on again. Take care, my friend. I look forward to it. Bye. Blessings, bro. Well, that's all we have time for here today in the Student Union. Witness January 2nd through 5th in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Check it out at LCMSU.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus, will help.